to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. It is a spiritual battle that we find ourselves in the midst of. Because when you start to break down all of the different issues and things that are being presented and debated and contended over in our culture, when you start to break them down, you will find that virtually every one of them have a link back to what the Bible teaches. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis, chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, in a message titled, Man, the Likeness of God. That's why there is such hostility toward it. That's why there is such an effort to keep this message from the ears of people, particularly from the children. Don't let them hear what the Bible says. Because what the Bible says is in total conflict with what men are thinking and what they're proposing today. And so today we hear of men who think they are supposed to be women. We hear of women who think they are supposed to be men. And, you know, of course, there was a time when people would say, you know, this is, this is horrifying. This is uh, unthinkable. But, but many voices today are saying, oh, this kind of, this is the most wonderful thing that could ever happen. And I was reading an article just the other day about a certain government that was, you know, going to go full force in promoting these kinds of things and giving instruction to the hospitals throughout their country to begin to perform uh, gender-altering services. So this is, sadly, where we've come today in our culture. But what is it when we have men who think they are supposed to be women and women who think they are supposed to be men? This is a delusion, and this is the result of the, of the utter absence of God and God's view of life from the minds of people today. This is a delusion that's coming upon people. What is the answer? The answer is right here in Genesis 1. God made them male and female. God doesn't make any mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. Any person who thinks they should be the other gender is is under a delusion. You need to go back to what the Bible says and realize that you are what you are because God made you that way and that's what you're supposed to be and God's going to help you find out who you are as you seek him and uh, you don't want to buy into any of that propaganda that is out there. But this is happening today. Uh, A coffee place I would visit frequently. There was a guy in there who was obviously in preparation for this kind of a process. Confusion, gender confusion. But it's because men are rejecting God's word. And there's a huge amount of propaganda in the culture. And so, you know, if a man doesn't feel all that masculine, somebody comes along and says, oh, well, maybe you were supposed to be a woman. Or if a woman feels a little bit more masculine, doesn't feel all that feminine. Oh, well, maybe you were supposed to be a man. No. God knew what he was doing. 
He made you the way he made you. And we find out who we are. We come to understand our identity as men and women in the context of a relationship with him. I don't know if any any of you read this, but uh, the city of Atlanta, they voted to do away with the the signs, men at work. Uh, That was offensive to women because some women were also there on the roadside working. So they literally voted to ban the signs, men at work, and to pay the cost to come up with uh, new signs. Uh, I think the new sign would read, people are working. But, you know, if they would have just read Genesis 1, they could have saved themselves some money. They would know that man is both male and female. But this is the insanity in our culture. And as I was reading the article, the thing that was even more astounding was how proud Atlanta was of itself. And they were hoping to lead the charge all the way across the nation. So people at work, that's the proper way. But again, if you go back to God's word, all of this kind of confusion is cleared up. And this is... This is the real issue. This is the real problem. Men are rejecting God's word and God's instruction, basic instruction regarding life. Now, one other thing in looking at man being created male and female, the fact that God created two distinct persons as male and female rather than just one man is part of our being created in the image of God because it can be seen to reflect to some degree the plurality of persons within the Trinity. So it's interesting that, remember, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. But man, singular, is both male and female. Because, of course, as we've already touched on, A little bit, God, although he is one, there is a plurality within his nature. So here is another manifestation of the way man is created in the image of God with this plurality. You know, in the scripture, you can read of certain uh, attributes of God or characteristics or certain things that are declared concerning God, you know, speaking of his might, his power, his strength, his wrath, those kinds of things. And those are generally considered masculine kinds of traits. But you can also read about God's compassion, his, his tenderness, his pity, his love. And, you know, sometimes those are referred to as you know, if you think of generalizations with men and women, you think of women as generally being more tender and more soft and more loving and more gentle and things like that, and men being harder and more aggressive and, and all of that. But the biblical picture of God, you have all of those things sort of, you know, coming together to, to create that picture. Now, there's a lot of debate in some theological circles today about the masculine references to God in the Bible. And, and uh, I think it was Zondervan even came up with a, with a gender-neutral Bible. 
didn't want to offend anybody, so we're going to take away the masculine references to God and just have, have a gender-neutral God. And some people are very insistent. God is not a man, and we shouldn't refer to God in masculine terms. And, and there are some real hardcore feminist groups who would just flat-out refuse to speak of God in masculine terms. But it is appropriate to speak of God that way because that's the way God revealed himself. In the pages of scripture, but more specifically, when God came into the world, he did not come as a woman, did he? That's not a slight. It's not any kind of a, of a derogatory type of a thing against women. Again, remember, from the biblical perspective, man is both male and female. But when God comes into the world, he comes as a man. He comes as a male. So I like to say to some hot-headed feminists sometimes that, yes, God is a man. Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, he is a man. Now, maybe you shouldn't do that. Don't follow my bad example there. <laughs> but, but it is important, I think, that we are unashamed when it comes to just setting the record straight. Again, because of all of this confusion in our culture today. And so, we see that God made man directly from the dust of the ground. We see that God made man as male and female. Thirdly, now let's look at man as Lord of creation. Now, in our previous study, perhaps you remember, I quoted philosopher Peter Singer, who stated this. He said, the notion that human life is sacred just because it is human life is medieval. And then remember, he said speciesism, which is the belief that being a member of a certain species makes you superior to any other being that is not a member of that species is wrong. Now, the thing that I wanted you to see and the thing I want to bring up again is that these statements are a direct attack on and a denial of what the record here in Genesis states. You know, it's interesting the way he, he puts it speciesism, the belief that being a member of a certain species makes you superior to any other being that is not a member of that species. Now, you know, of course, he can only be referring to one species unless he's somehow been able to conduct interviews with uh, other creatures and find out that they have the same sort of attitude regarding other species. But I doubt that he did that. So he's really... He's attacking the biblical view that man is, first of all, created in the image of God. He says the notion that, that human life is sacred just because it is human life is medieval. Oh, he's wrong. He missed it by thousands and thousands of years. That's not medieval. It goes back to the very beginning. But, of course, he's striking out against the biblical teaching that, that man is created in the image of God. And then when he talks about this whole thing of no species being superior to, to another species, he's then attacking the idea that God gave man dominion over the rest of creation. So again, the thing that I want to impress on you and the thing that I think many of you already see is that all of this stuff that's going on out there and all of this, this conflict and all of these philosophies and things, these are not just neutral theories and ideas that people are just kicking around. 
This is a concerted attack against the biblical view of life. That's what's really going on in our culture. Like I said before, it's not so much a culture war. It is a spiritual battle that we find ourselves in the midst of. Because when you start to break down all of the different issues and things that are being presented and debated and contended over in our culture, when you start to break them down, you will find that virtually every one of them have a link back to what the Bible teaches, and and every one of them are a human opinion that is seeking to usurp authority over the biblical view. That's what's going on. It's more about overthrowing the the Judeo-Christian influence upon this culture. And that's that's what Singer is also seeking to do. Now, Peter Singer is one of many who, professing to be wise, became a fool. Now, in their foolishness, and he, he is just one of many, but in their foolishness, this is what they do. They deny the obvious and insist on an alternative reality that is contradicted by the observable evidence. So, so this is what these guys are really doing, if you think about it. And it, it's astounding that anybody buys into it, that anybody would actually go along with this, that anybody would embrace these ideas. But they deny that the obvious is true, and they insist really on an alternative reality. But that reality they insist on is contradicted by all of the observable evidence. Is there not an obvious distinction between man and the rest of creation? Do you have to get a PhD to figure that out? It's, it's so obvious. It's so obvious that it doesn't even really need to be stated. Does not all history affirm that man is Lord of all the rest of creation? Has anyone ever seen or heard of a time or place where men were the servants of, let's say, elephants or camels or apes or oxen? Now, of course, we can go all over the world even today and we can search back in history and we can find that these creatures and, and numerous others have served men. But we cannot find a trace of evidence that men have ever been subservient to these creatures or any other creature. Has any other creature analyzed and understood the forces of nature, recorded them, harnessed them, for the benefit of their own species? You know, again, some of this stuff, it's so obvious that, of course, that has never happened. But what these guys are saying and what's being implied in in their ideas, this is what you would expect to find if what they said were true. And... So we conclude that there is absolutely no observable evidence for their claims. 
Do the facts of history coincide with Singer's view of reality or with the Bible's? It is very safe to say that the facts as we know them, history as we know it, the biblical account of God giving man dominion over the earth is what we have seen throughout the duration of history. We have not seen anything to suggest that it is any other way than how the Bible said it was to be. So, we see that God created man directly, not through any evolutionary process. We see that God created men, or created man, male and female. We see that God gave dominion to man over the earth. And we see as we come to the conclusion of the first chapter that God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. In each of the previous days, God saw what he had done and it was good. God saw what he had done and it was good over and over. And now as God is surveying creation as a completed work, he says it is very good. The mistake that is being made by many today is that they are judging God's word and God himself by the present condition of the world. This is not the world that God pronounced very good because something happened to that world. But when it was all completed, it was a perfect situation. Man lived in the perfect environment. Man lived in complete harmony with all of the rest of creation. Man was indeed Lord in, in a very positive sense over all of the rest of creation. That was the original state. Man lived in fellowship with God. And it was all very, very good. But something happened. And of course, we'll get to that when we get to the third chapter. But something so radical happened that it altered the original creation and spoiled it. And here's what happens. People today look at the present situation or they look back into human history and they say, look, I just can't buy this God of love that you Christians are trying to convince us of. Because as I look at the world, I see a lot of misery. I see a lot of suffering. I see a lot of pain. I see a lot of tragedy. How does this square with your view of a God of love? I mean, you know, if God's love and he's all powerful, why did he make the world like it is? Why did he make the world as such a mess? But we have to always respond with this reminder God did not make the world in the condition that it's in today. God made the world perfectly. And it was the absolute ideal environment for man to live in and to go on living in perpetually. But as a result, as you know, of man's rebellion against his creator, sin, suffering, and death entered into the world. 
But in the beginning, it was not so, and it will not be so in the future. Because we have a whole Bible full of promises that God is going to restore things to what he originally intended them to be, and ultimately, he's going to make them better than they were in the first place. And that's what we await. But that's what we need to remind people of. The Bible really does have the best answers to all of these issues that we're facing in our culture today. It really has the best solutions. But again, people are reluctant to embrace it or or even sometimes to listen because they've got these preconceived ideas about God because they're judging God based upon what they see in man, based upon what they see in the world. But we must always keep at the forefront that something happened. Something tragic happened. Sin entered the world, and that's why it is what it is. But Jesus came to deal the death blow to sin and to begin a process of really recreating the universe. And here's the amazing thing. In the original creation, he started with the heavens and the earth, and man was the final part of the creation. In the new creation, God is starting with men, and ultimately he will recreate the earth and the heavens. But he's starting with men and women. He's starting with individual people. And that's why we read in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the second epistle, the fifth chapter, the 17th verse, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. You see, God's in the process of recreating, but he's starting with men and women. He's recreating us. He's renewing us. And there is a day coming when that is going to transfer from men individually to men collectively. It's going to deal with the entire race. It's going to deal ultimately with the entire planet. And finally, we know from the book of Revelation, it's going to include the very heavens themselves. We read in Isaiah's great prophecy these words. The day is coming when men will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's glorious. That's where things are headed. We know where it all began because Genesis is the only reliable account. It's a firsthand account by God himself of what happened. God alone was there and He's the one who told us what happened. But he also tells us where it's all headed. And we're moving rapidly in that direction. 
For the month of September, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, God of All Things, Rediscovering the Sacred in an Everyday World by Andrew Wilson. Have you ever wondered why God created things? Why did God create rainbows? Why did God create rain? Why did God create different animals or vegetation? Why did God create anything at all? Well, in his book, Andrew Wilson explains that God had a very specific purpose for creation, and God uses it even to this day to display His wisdom and to teach us that wisdom as well. Gleaning the insights that can be found in ordinary things, Andrew Wilson takes from both the Old and New Testaments to show how the ordinary things of God can reveal the extraordinary God of all things. The book, God of All Things, Rediscovering the Sacred in an Everyday World by Andrew Wilson is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.